The Rays? Really? The Rays? Yep, that's who it looks like the Blue Jays will get in the first round. Ten tough games between them this season. Shot up the right side, back into the corner. Here comes Smith to tie it. Martinez hitting third. Linares will wave him home. Rays are going to win it. Safe at the plate. Should we expect more of the same in the postseason? Let's find out. I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a swing and a belt. One out away from clinching the American League East. There it is. And a cut and a miss. He takes care of business. The Tampa Bay Rays win the American League. Andy Freed is in his 15th season as part of the radio team for the Tampa Bay Rays, and he, along with Dave Wills, do an outstanding job covering the team. And more often than not, Andy has had a very competitive team to cover, and that is, of course, the case this year. With the most likely scenario going into the postseason is that the Blue Jays will take on the Rays in the wild card round from Tropicana Field. Almost ready for the playoffs. Andy, how are you doing today? We are doing great, and like Blue Jay fans, we're pretty pumped up. It doesn't happen often, and I think for both of our franchises, too, when you get past the quote-unquote big boys of Boston and New York, it's reason to celebrate, and I think... Rays fans and Blue Jays fans are feeling it together. Yeah, I think so. I will tell you, Blue Jays fans are not overly excited about the chance of play in the Rays, and and that's a compliment to the Rays. But, you know, Tropicana Field's been kind of a house of horrors for the Blue Jays at times over the years. And and we'll get into that in a second. But tell me a little bit about the Rays season. Our guys saw your guys a lot kind of in the first half of this shortened season and tons of pitching injuries. And yet here you are, haven't had a great year and looking like the number one seed. How did the Rays do this in spite of all the injuries they had? Well, as you know, when you see your team every day, you see all of its flaws and it's easy to focus on what is wrong with your team. I think both Dave and I have had moments this year where you know, we're talking to other announcers like we do this year over Zoom or getting prepared for series. And it's almost like, well, cry me a river. But the Rays really aren't doing everything the way they had planned to. The defense hasn't been quite as crisp as they needed to be for run prevention. The pitching has been just leveled by injuries. The offense has been completely spotty. Overall, it's been like, well, it doesn't look the way it normally looks when this Rays team wins. But they have a quality to them that is only like those teams that tend to win is that they figure out a way to come up with the key moment, whether it's one key defensive play or drawing a a walk right when you need a walk and then a timely hit or a flare to the opposite field or the pitcher gets the big strikeout. Somehow, some way, it has seemed like this team is having fun from the very beginning, even though there's been, I think, four Tommy John surgeries throughout (laughs) this year, one shoulder surgery, 10 pitchers on the DL at one time. Hard to believe that we do have the best record in the American League because to us, it doesn't look like it was supposed to look and it doesn't look like the way it did last year, but they're winning. Yeah, I always thought, and I had Kevin Kiermeyer on my podcast back in the first or second week of the season, and a question I posed to him then was this, that, you know, this we knew this was going to be a crazy year. We knew with new rules and expanded playoffs and just everything was going to be different this year. And I thought the weirder the year got, the better it was for the Tampa Bay Rays because Kevin Cash is so used to having to change on the fly and make substitutions, use his bench, use his bullpen, call people up from the minors. This is the Rays' way. This is the way they've been doing it for years. And I thought the weirder it got, the better it was for them. Is, is there anything to that in your mind? It's a great point, Dan, because this whole franchise, top to bottom, from the ownership, Stu Sternberg, to the whoever the lowest person is on whatever totem pole, we can't do things conventionally and win. I I can remember when Joe Madden was here, 
he felt like the one thing that could strangle this franchise would be if it got too corporate or if people were uncomfortable to ad lib and do strange things at strange moments. The owner likes to say, when people think we're going to zig, we're going to zag. And that goes not just for the players on the field, it goes for the whole front office. That's kind of what the whole franchise is based on, doing things differently, doing it weirdly, doing it in a way that other teams don't quite understand. We get the question every time we talk to the other announcers is, we see your record, but how are you doing it? (laughs) And I think that falls right in line with the way this franchise operates. To me, it would be the perfect year. Now, obviously, because I'm, I'm with the Rays, I'd love to win it all. But to me, it would make perfect sense that if in this, the strangest year of our lives, the strangest baseball season of all of our lives, the weirdest team ends up winning it all. Yeah, yeah, definitely could be. The Blue Jays would love to get in the way of that, but the, it's uh, obviously a big obstacle to play a, a team as good as Tampa Bay. So you mentioned the injuries. We both talked about it a little bit. Who is out and who might be coming back by the time the playoffs start? Well, right now, the main two guys from the lineup that are out that could be back are Yandy Diaz and Jimon Choi. Austin Meadows, we know, is out and very, very unlikely to play at any point through October. He's got an oblique. But both Choi and Diaz, while neither one of them are superstars, they're both dealing with hamstrings and they're both vital to lineup. One thing we've learned is that with both of them out, the strikeouts for this group is skyrocketed. And it's not because they don't strike out. It's because they have an effect on the other team's pitcher. They drive up the other pitcher's pitch count. That's how we've gotten by Garrett Cole three times this year. Today in Miami. And strokes this one back into right. All the way back is Frazier. And this one is gone. Home run for Choi here. And he continues to fare extremely well in his matchups against Cole. Both of them in there. They've all had good games. And they've gotten Cole out of there by like the fifth inning. Because they foul so many pitches off. And they get the 3-2 counts. And they see a ton of pitches and they can go to the opposite field. I don't think I had quite the appreciation for either one of them fully until we've seen what this lineup looks like with both of them out of there. Now, will they be ready by Tuesday? Ooh, I think it's a real stretch, especially for Choi. I think Choi, it might take another week or two. There's an outside chance from what we've been told that Diaz could be ready for Tuesday, and if so, it's going to be the same sort of thing like it was last year. He missed most of the last six weeks of the season, and then joined the team the last day of the year in Toronto, hit a couple of rockets, and then hit two home runs in the wild card game against Oakland. So I think of those three, Choi, Meadows, and Diaz, Diaz has the best chance to perform Tuesday. I don't think in the first round you'll, you'd see uh, Jimon Choi, or certainly not Meadows. Okay, so there's an old expression, the strength of the wolf is the pack. And that's what I think <laughs> about when I think about the Rays. If you look at each player just on his own, you go, yeah, he's a nice player, he's a nice player, but it's the way the pieces of the puzzle fit together that I think makes them so good. You know, Choi can be lifted for Brasso as a pinch hitter when a lefty comes in. Diaz can be lifted for Wendell for a pinch hitter when a righty comes in, and everything just fits so well. Has Kevin Cash still been able to do that even without Meadows, Choi, and Diaz, or does he need Choi and Diaz to really you know, do the kind of things that he likes to do over the course of a game? Uh, well, to maximize what they uh, want to do, he absolutely needs those guys. But in light of the fact that they haven't been around, he still has been utilizing the you – know, there was a time that we had a six-man bench. Now, with expanded rosters, maybe we're not the only team to do it, but he'd go six-man deep in the bench. And he'd clear the bench in the fifth inning if he felt like that was the right time to do it. I mean, I- I've said this for a couple of years now. Kevin Cash manages more by the third inning than most managers do all game. Mm-hmm. And, and sure, I feel loyal to him because he's become a great friend. And I see so much of what he does behind the scenes. But 
from the moment that game starts, man, his brain is steaming. It is cooking. And he's constantly looking for some sort of edge that might not hamstring him for later in the game. He and Matt Quattraro, I think Quattraro is going to end up a manager with somebody uh, before long because the two of them have worked really well together, as did Kevin and Charlie Montoyo. The two of them worked really well together. It just turns out they didn't have quite the talent on the team at the time, but Charlie's great, and I think he and Kevin were wonderful. And Kyle Snyder and Stan Borowski, Kyle Snyder's the pitching coach, Stan Borowski the bullpen coach, those two guys work really well together. One of the real keys to this team this year, Dan, is we knew the pitching depth would be tested, but I didn't recognize or realize in any way that guys that the Rays got from other organizations could play such a large role. We're used to having guys on our team that fit that Rays mold where they're signed, drafted, developed all through the system. But we've gotten John Curtis from the Twins and Aaron Slegers from the Twins. Uh, a minor league rule five and Ryan Thompson has been great. Ryan Sheriff uh, hadn't pitched in two years in the big leagues from Tommy John and numerous other injuries he's fit in. So while the, the staff has been decimated by injury, it's those guys that have come in. And that goes for some of the offensive guys, too. But, and that's why whoever is heading pro scouting, I know Kevin Ibach is a guy that leads it for the race. Those pro scouts identified guys from other franchises, and they have fit in. So Cash can use those moves, mm -hmm. and Snyder can use those moves. And that's kind of how it's all jigsaw puzzled its way together just you know gave some a lot of credit to the guys i can't imagine being a player in today's game with what's taken place what they've had the challenges what's been on their plate um just like you said a weird a weird season is is about as good as you can sum it up but i give these guys a lot of credit for the way they went out about their business um found ways to win games on a nightly basis um, and you know, want to now create as much momentum as possible going into to the to the postseason. Do you think the uh, the three batter rule has impacted Cash either positively or negatively this year? He hates it. He absolutely hates it, and he says that he wished that at some point they would have asked the collective managers around the league, all thirty of them, what they thought of it, because it absolutely hamstrings what you're trying to do from a matchup standpoint that being said in typical Kevin Cash fashion he's figured out a way around it a lot you know he used to be real big into going righty lefty righty lefty alternate throughout the order he's come up with this pattern quite often of righty righty lefty righty righty lefty righty righty lefty one through nine so whatever pitching move is made against him he has a matchup even if it's only one out of those three batters he has one matchup Mm -hmm. where he feels uh, comfortable with it. So I you know, just was talking to him again uh, this morning, and he was saying how he hates it, but that's the way it is, and he hopes that's something that gets reconsidered. How many different relievers have gotten a save for the Rays this year? Twelve. And <laughs> it's just, I it's mean, absurd in a 60-game season. Yeah. <laughs> it is absurd. We've been looking up the 1973 Texas Rangers with guys like Jim Bibby and David Clyde and Don Stanhouse and Dick Bosman and all those guys had saves that year. Now, they were a terrible team. They won 57 games and went through three managers. And yet, here's the Rays within the first, I think it was 52 games going through 12 guys. There have been so many times, Dan, this year where Dave and I are in the booth going, that's who he's bringing in to get the save? <laughs> and lo and behold, three minutes later, it's a 1-2-3 inning and he's done it. Look, as you know, you have to have a bit of luck on your side. You can plan and prepare all you want. But uh, the old phrase, I'd rather be lucky than good definitely pays off. There are times that the Rays have gotten out of weird situations using guys that he didn't even want in there at that point in time. But it's worked, and uh, to the point of best record in the American League.
All right, let's talk starting pitching. We haven't talked about that yet. Will it be Snell in game one, Glasnow game two, Morton game three if necessary? That was very well done there by Blake, all with the heater and sending a message, too, to this Boston lineup. I'm coming after you tonight. The pitch on its way. Swing and a miss. He struck him out in a pretty impressive first inning for Blake Snell as he blows away. That's it. And uh, he allowed Blake Snell to go. Uh, real long, 108 pitches, which is a lot for him. I think it was the second or third highest total of his career uh, last Tuesday against the Mets. He wasn't particularly good, but they wanted to stretch him out so he'd have two full days of rest, all the bullpens in the middle that he wanted to start it on Tuesday. Glass now will start game two, and then if it gets to a game three one way or the other, uh, Charlie Morton would do that. And then if the Rays were to be fortunate enough to win, uh, in two, then Morton would start the division series. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. I think this three-game series, Dan, is going to be a real crapshoot. I have no idea which way it's going to go. And I thought the last time the Blue Jays were in town, at one point I turned to Dave and said, I think they're just better than us. So hmm. I hear this fatalistic attitude from uh, Blue Jays fans, and, and even yourself said it, because I know it's been a house of horrors, but I think it's a, a really interesting series. A team like the Rays that probably has better pitching against a team like the Blue Jays, who has way better offense than the Rays do. Yeah, and a very resilient team. And, and I know you know and I know because we did all the games. Like Something like eight of the ten games were one-run games. Like, And each one was excruciating in its own way to whoever lost the game. And a bouncer back to the mound. Romano has it, and the Blue Jays will win the opening game of the series at Tropicana Field and extend their... Because they were all such meat grinders. What do you think Cash and the players on the Rays, what is their impression of the Blue Jay team they faced this year? Oh, I, I think a tremendous respect and almost like they've been able to uh, tiptoe by a sleeping lion. I think at some point the Blue Jays could really take off in this division, whether it be next year, whether it be within the coming weeks. Uh, you know, the, the fact that, that we were playing the Blue Jays and they didn't have Bichette and they still were so difficult to face. I do think from a Blue Jays standpoint, this is just an outsider's uh, look in, is that the shortened season has probably helped them because, you know, it didn't expose some of the the holes that there might be in the pitching staff. But bottom line, if you have Hunjin Ryu and Taiwan Walker and Tanner Roark and Matt Shoemaker, all those guys the Rays have had a hard time with, I would envision the Rays would have to win low scoring if they don't hold the Blue Jays down, even, you know, even to the point where if the Blue Jays have one big inning per game, I think they could sweep. I really do. Hmm. Give me your best Charlie Montoyo story. He spent a ton of years in the Rays organization and spent four years on the major league staff before coming to Toronto. Uh, give me a Charlie story. Well, I mean, I don't think the Rays are the Rays without Charlie Montoyo. I mean, every single person that came through the organization was touched by Charlie in one way or another. You know, I read the comments, which is a, a bad thing to do sometimes after Blue Jays games from Blue Jays fans. and I think they've been very, very harsh on Charlie. I can understand their standpoint. Some people say, oh, minor league coach, not a major league manager. I don't believe that for an instant. He managed at every level. He is very good with young players. And the other thing, too, Charlie has perspective that not everyone has. Uh, you know, he went through a real tough time in his wife. I know his wife. He went to high school with his wife, actually. Hmm. Uh, go way back with her. They had a son that went through a bunch of open heart surgeries. And when you go through that as a parent, as you know, Dan, when you're a parent and something happens with your child. I think it gives you, a, it slams you into perspective of the world. So I don't think he takes a tough loss as hard as some other guys. And I think he keeps wins in perspective also. I think he's got a really good view on life. Uh, and I, I wish nothing but success for Charlie 
nudge, nudge, hint, hint after right. the first round. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, no, he has talked about Alex a lot. He's been very open about it in his Zoom calls with the media when somebody says, you know, how are you not more upset about this? How did you not get more down about that? He goes, listen, my son has had multiple open heart surgeries. That is my perspective. And exactly what you just said. And he also says, hey, I'm a player development guy. I'm used to working with young players. And this is how I believe you get them better. And I agree with you. I think he has been blamed unfairly for a lot of things that really had nothing to do with him this year. And, you know, given how young they are and where they are on their development curve, because it's still very early for this team, I think he's been the perfect choice. I think he has empowered the young players to play with a free mind and aggressively. And they've made some mistakes. There is no question. They've made too many mistakes. But I don't think they're playing scared because he is their manager. He is giving them the opportunity to make a mistake, learn from it, and do better the next time. And I think that's a, a big reason why the young kids have been successful this year. I totally agree in seeing the Blue Jays from a, a, another team standpoint. I think there's this stereotype that the manager has to be yelling and screaming and turning uh, you know, meal tables over and arguing with the umpires and chewing tobacco and, and firing up heaters and lung darts <laughs> like Earl Weaver used to. That's not the mold of what a manager needs to be. A manager is way more behind the scenes than any of us really realize. In fact, there are some managers that do some of their best work after the ninth inning, before the next first inning, uh, whether acting as role of psychologist, or dealing with the front office and all the things with the analytics people, juggling all of that together. If ever a guy was prepared for this gig, it was Charlie Montoya. What more do you want from a guy that has been at every level through the minors that everyone loves and respects and look, is he going to make mistakes? Of course, Kevin does. Every Joe Madden did. Everybody does. And yet, bottom line, is your team thriving under that guy? Does he have the ear of the team? There's no question that Charlie Montoyo does. Well, I know he and Kevin Cash uh, have a lot of affection for one another. We hear a lot about the, the group text chats, Rocco Baldelli and others, that uh, they all still keep in touch. And you can see the impact of the Tampa Bay Rays on a number of other coaching staffs around baseball, which is a compliment, of course, to the Rays organization, as is their record, as is their division championship. They have earned everything they've gotten this year, and I hope it's going to be a heck of a playoff series. It sure looks like it's going to be if the regular season games are any indication. Andy, enjoy it. Have fun. Uh, as you know, it's uh, October is special, and we don't get a chance to do this all the time, so enjoy the games, uh, and we'll talk to you again. Dan, it's always a treat to talk to you, and uh, let's just hope it's a fun series, intense, and we all end up with more gray hair in the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of good stuff from Andy Freed. I think a lot of mutual respect between the Blue Jays and the Rays, a friendship between Kevin Cash and Charlie Montoyo, 10 nail-biter ballgames this year between the two teams. It has all the makings of a fascinating wild card series, and it all begins on Tuesday can't wait. That'll do it for this episode of A Swing and a Bell, produced as always by Christian Ryan. Enjoy the playoffs. More podcasts coming your way through October. I'm Dan Schulman.